thinking about the faithfulness of God and the, the radical and seemingly reckless ways of like, that God would, would even become vulnerable uh, as a baby in, in Bethlehem, as, 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 a, as a man on a cross. And in the midst of that, that unexpected strategy and, and way that God moves in the world, we've been walking through this series about how we, we kind of struggle to faithfully respond to the God who is always faithful. And so if you remember back to the beginning of our series, for those who've been with us along this journey, uh, we started with uh, John the Baptist's dad getting the announcement that, that John the Baptist was to be born, and, and that was a little bit hard for Zachariah to take in, even though it was his prayer. And it was his prayer that he couldn't even quite believe would actually come to be. And so uh, he was silenced for a season until the baby was born, and then he bursts into song. And, and we looked at that song and Mary's song of, of what is it for Mary to respond faithfully and say yes to God and what God's going to do in the world and to come out into praising God. But have you ever wondered when you got to that place, when you finally responded faithfully, did you ever feel alone? Did you ever feel like, is anybody else going to be on this journey? And so, do we expect the faithfulness of others to go with us on this journey with God? We're going to read today from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, which says, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the, by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Today we're obviously looking at the story of Joseph. But to get there, I think we have to remind ourselves of how easy it is uh, to be unfaithful, to, to fall short, to leave when it gets challenging, when it gets difficult. It does not take long in the Bible to get to a story where humans aren't faithful. Uh, if you remember in Genesis in the garden, God comes walking in the garden and humanity is hiding thinking maybe God won't see me here. And God calls out, where are you? And humanity is already in the midst of, of hiding and of breaking kind of their, their word, falling short of what God has for them. There's so many, like, so many stories of us being unfaithful, but some of the highlighted ones, think about Jonah. Go to Nineveh, go proclaim uh, my word to them. And he runs the opposite direction. Uh, he, he lives in a land where the, the, the ocean, like the sea, is to the west. And he's supposed to go to the east, and he gets on a boat. And you know he's going the wrong way. And he's unfaithful to the message that God has for him to give. And, 
and the highlight moments of Jesus on Good Friday, and where are his disciple friends? Uh, the women that had been a part of his ministry are there nearby at the cross, and, and the men seem to be in hiding and kind of locked in their own rooms and fleeing. And you think about the early church, the problems don't just disappear. Uh, think about uh, Peter and Paul and Antioch. And if you read Galatians, Paul's calling out Peter and he's like, hey, we lived a certain way. We welcomed Gentiles into the church. We ate with them. Suddenly, James's friends from Jerusalem show up. And, and where'd you go? Not only did you leave me and, and others who were, were worshiping with you, but you've left these Gentiles behind. And how could you just abandon them? You've been living this gospel. Why are you disappearing from it? And we have stories of Paul and Barnabas going on their, their mission trips throughout Acts. And, and John Mark had been with them and... and on that trip, he just, he went home. And we don't get the reason he went home, but Paul takes it very personal, and it ends up that Paul and Barnabas kind of split up, that their missions take divergent paths, uh, all over the question of, can John Mark go with us again? Can I handle John Mark? Do I trust him? Do I think he will be faithful? What is it to accept him back on this trip? We are filled with so many stories of people letting each other down, people not holding on to promises, not holding on to the faithfulness uh, that we are called to live up to. And so would anybody blame Joseph for letting Mary down, for disappearing in this scene? Like, he's going through a, a, a challenging moment. And I think sometimes when we just read the Christmas story, we gloss over it, we, we hallmark movie it, make everything feel really cheery. And, and, but like, this is a challenging time for Joseph. Here's how Matthew talked about it. When uh, Jesus' mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, so they're engaged, but they're, they're not living together, they're not fully married yet, Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. And so, you know, Joseph's, able to do some calculations and realize something weird is going on. It's like something, something's off here. And he is going to try to go about just dismissing her quietly because he's not going to try to publicly shame or attack her, but just like, you know what? It's hard enough to be committed in a marriage relationship. It's pretty hard when you're starting in the midst of that rocky thing of like, we haven't even fully said our I do's yet. And and do I trust you or not? Like, that's a lot for Joseph to take in. And in the midst of that, you know he has friends. Mary has friends. They have family members, the ones who know how to do math, who can count time. They're like, wait a minute, how, how many months? When did they get married again? You know, the ones who won't outright just say something to you about it, but will give you that look. They're giving you that, that glare, you can feel their judgment. There's so much shame that we put on each other that in the midst of Joseph's decision, what do I do? He's thinking about how do I honor or, or, or handle the situation with Mary, but he's also thinking about, I'm certain, he's thinking also about what are other people going to think about me? What are they going to think about her? And, and that's not an easy situation to be in. And there's plenty of reasons why Joseph... Uh, could or, or should or whatever call off this relationship. 
And there's plenty of reasons for us to call off all sorts of relationships in our own lives. And some of those things are mundane, everyday life things. I think some of us maybe learned about group dynamics for the first time in school when we got group projects. When you're so used to, I did my work and I got this grade, and suddenly now you have to do a group project with other people, and sometimes those people live up to what they're supposed to do, and sometimes they don't, and, and you're like, wait a minute, is this fair? Like, my, my fate is tied to these other people. And so I have to tell you a story. You can tell it's still, I'm still a little bit getting over this. Um, I, in, in seminary, I had one class that I didn't get an A in. And I think back on it. It was a class on ministry development where you're supposed to learn how to teach to people at different ages and different stages of their faith development and their life cycle and all of that. And, and so one of the, the projects of this class was we were supposed to teach something about creation to people at different stages of life. And so there was just this moment where they're like, okay, if, go to this side of the room if you want to teach like pre-K or like early elementary, or they kind of had these age ranges. I was like, well, I don't really care. I just wanted to look around the room and see which spots were available, like who had more people and less people and just find a spot. So I ended up kind of wandering over to a group that was kind of like younger middle adult age frame. And we talked a little bit. We got the assignment about what we were supposed to do. And we went about our way. And, and we had in our syllabus some like built-in time that every so often the class would get together and, and you would talk about what you were going to do in this group project. So the first of those moments shows up. We gather as a group. And I quickly became aware that they had had an email chain without me. They were all talking about all sorts of things like, oh my goodness, um, I'm, I'm missing out here. Where was, where was I in this conversation? Like, oh, did you not get those emails? And I'm learning really quickly that everything we're about to do in this group project is like completely in contrast to what we've learned about talking and teaching that age group. And so this group that's supposed to want to ask questions and interact and and engage with content suddenly is getting to be lectured at. And, and just everything was not lining up well. And it was just this, oh no, what do I do? And so you might have guessed in the group project who, who got stuck with like, okay, I'll build the PowerPoint, I'll do the design on the tech side of it. So I make this presentation, but the whole time it's like watching a train wreck that you know is just, it's not gonna go well. And it just resigned to like your fate is tied to people and are they gonna live up to it or not? And even with our flawed starting point, the first person went so far over time and onto rabbit trails. And I know the PowerPoint design, I know we don't have topics for these conversation pieces that are happening. And at the end of it, it was just this resignment of like, there's nothing you can do. You're just at the mercy of those around you. Part of my takeaways from that is, never to make a group project 50% of your final grade. There's no hope. You can't win it back. Uh, but you've maybe had coworkers. You've had projects that you're supposed to collaborate on and, and somebody has dropped the ball. And, and, it's, and how do I recover from that? And you've got friendships and family members and things that you've, let's say you're going to go in on a Christmas present with somebody and then Someone's supposed to go get certain parts for it and, and they just didn't get to it. 
You know, there's just so many moments in our lives where we are tied to each other and yet things fall short and they fall apart. And some of those things aren't just mundane. Some of those are so deep emotionally. Uh, I, I sat with somebody recently who was facing their spouse was getting divorce papers. And no matter the circumstances, like the amount of pain and challenges people are going through when they, when they are separating from people that have been so close to them, uh, when we feel the pain of, of losing relationships, uh, for, for some people it's children who run from home. What is it to be a parent and, and your child runs away? And what is it to be a child and your parents run away and abandon you? And even when people are trying to be faithful, we still have those anxieties in us. I, I have a, a one-year-old and a four-year-old at home. When their mother goes down the stairs to the basement, it's like she's leaving forever. And, and our one-year-old, like, you can see it on her face. Like, it's like a good 10-second break before the cry happens, but just everything's in the face. And it's this fear of, like, what if the people who are close to me leave? And you can imagine, what's Mary feeling in the midst of that? You know, how does Joseph respond? Do I stay committed to this person that I've, I've said I'm going to marry? And in the midst of all of our pains of, of when people let us down, in the midst of all of our anxieties of, of people letting us down, uh, this Christmas story and God's story is filled with God showing up uh, to bring healing, both from us to God, but also to each other. And just like think about the Christmas story of how often angels are showing up and giving messages to all sorts of people. It's like, no, it's not just, well, you know, Jesus is born, nobody needs to hear about it, but like the angels are showing up to Zechariah about John the Baptist's birth. They're showing up to Mary and, and talking about what's going to happen with her. They're showing up to Magi to protect uh, the child after the child's born. They're showing up to Joseph to take care of uh, Mary and this family. Like, it's a communal experience because every person matters. It's not like just one person matters and, and everybody else is just side characters, but each of them are important and their relationship to, to God and each other are important. And so the angels show up to Joseph. Here's what Matthew says when the angels show up. Just when Joseph had resolved to put away Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Like this statement... We could simplify it into he just needs some theological accuracy of like, oh, just understand, child, Holy Spirit, God is with us, Emmanuel. If you know all the right things to say, that's great. And it, but it's not just about getting the, the facts right. Joseph needs to experience God is with us. Like, where's God in the midst of this, this? This isn't how I expected my marriage to go. This wasn't expected how my life would go. The, the message of God is with us is one that's meant to be experienced, not just, just mentally understood. It's about presence, not just information. 
And so Jesus isn't just about the titles that we claim for him and that we believe in him. Uh, it's more than that. It, if it was only just, okay, Jesus only has to die, well, then Matthew 2 would have been enough gospel story. And Herod and the children that are killed would have been enough. But there's something that matters to about life in its fullness of, of Jesus' teachings, of the way that he spoke to people in everyday life, the way that he brought healing to people who were sick, uh, the way that he liberated people who were captives. Uh, there's so much community healing that is needed. And it's not just an information dump to have the angels show up to Joseph and give the spoilers of here's what's actually going on in the story. Uh, but it matters that our community is filled with people who are faithful to God and to each other. It says that when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. You know, we kind of famously talk about James, talking about uh, faith without works is dead. But there's also like faith without family is dead. Like faith needs a community. Like God calls a church. And sometimes we turn God's Christmas story as like you got a private exclusive room invitation and it's just a private party with you and God and nobody else has to be there. But God is calling a community even in this Christmas story. And so even in the midst of someone uh, who had every reason maybe to, to disappear, to fall away, uh, it matters to bring Joseph into the story, to bring him into taking care of Mary, to taking care of Jesus, of being there. And so every cynic and pessimist uh, might be moved by someone even like Joseph who would do the unthinkable and choose to be faithful. And so if you've ever felt abandoned, if you've ever felt alone, uh, the Christmas story is beautiful. Like at its core, trust in God's presence, that even in the darkness, even when it feels uh, most bleak, that God isn't a God who is distant, but a God that comes near, even in a manger. But God is close, and God will choose to be faithful and will show up to you no matter what. And a part of this journey of us in our own abandonment and faithfulness is to admit that there are times where we haven't been faithful. We've been the one who has let people down. We've been the one who has not showed up. We've been the one who, who's broken our promises, who's uh, harmed someone. And admitting and confessing that, asking for forgiveness around that, is a part of the healing that brings us back together. And forgiveness isn't just about the accuracy of the statement again. It's about turning from that path, committing to a new way of living, to being faithful, to showing up, to doing what God asks of you. And so even when it's not easy, show up to God and show up to each other. And maybe start to hope again, because I think some of us get so pessimistic and cynical. Of, there's those people in your life that you just have given up hope that they might uh, do what they're supposed to do, uh, respond faithfully to God, be truthful to you. What is it to hope that the, the Joseph in your life might actually be faithful? And is it, can we have that hope that maybe I've gotten to this place where I've seen God's faithfulness and I'm going to show up, but can I hope that others will show up 
too. And I know that there's a lot of anxiety and fear in people's lives around this COVID season of, you know, life has been different. We've been apart. We've been isolated. Can I trust that there will be a time where people are able to show up to each other in ways that we long for and we need? And, and there are churches all over who are uh, having to trust and hope and say, I know there's a moment where the faithful ones of God will be back together in their fullness. And I can trust in that and I can hope uh, that people will be faithful. I also want to kind of conclude on another note on this faithfulness journey. There are people in your life who have been faithful, and we often overlook them. We overlook the ones who always are just are always on it. What is it to celebrate those people in your life who have been faithful? Obviously, celebrate the God who is always faithful. But like, who are the people in your life uh, that, that don't get credit, uh, don't get recognition, but yet will always show up and will be there for you? Think about as, as we get to Christmas, so like who are the people we take for granted? And what is it to not take them for granted? I think about you know, the kind of trope that we imagine of you know, the, the sports star who makes the winning uh, score, a winning basket, winning touchdown, gets interviewed afterward and says, hi, mom. And they're like, oh, poor dad, you know. But like this Christmas story, Joseph is not the superstar star of this story, right? I mean, we start with Jesus, then we get Mary's celebration, then we're often actually thinking about magi and shepherds. Like, Joseph's in the corner, but like, what is it to be grateful? Like, thank you for being faithful to Mary and to Jesus and for showing up and when it wasn't easy. Remember those people in your lives who have been faithful and who deserve some celebration, some gratitude, some thankfulness, because we all need each other. We're social beings we don't do this faith alone. God calls a church, calls a people to transform the whole world. So this Christmas, no matter what unexpected events come your way, may you be faithful and may you find yourself surrounded by a community of the faithful. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I don't know what to say about how wonderful your grace and mercy is. Lord, the, some of the best humbling experiences is just to be reminded of how often I and we have, have failed you, and yet you still love us, and your mercy and your grace and your goodness and your life overflows. Lord, help us to respond in kind. Help us to respond with faithfulness, with love for each other and for you. Help us to mend those relationships that are broken, that, that we might have lost hope for. Help us to say yes to wherever you are, are bringing healing to this world. Lord, help us to be reminded of our gratefulness to you and to those around us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.